Oh my goodness, I have been waiting for this day. Jay and I are so excited to announce that this fall we will be launching our very own hot tea brand called, drumroll please, Sama. Herbal tea has been part of my daily rituals for such a long time now. I choose different teas throughout the day depending on how my body feels, my mood, my intention. It's really the first thing that I drink in the morning and the last thing that I drink at night. Luckily, Jay is exactly the same. So we have a moment together every morning, every night, sipping on tea. Over the last year, having a ritual that brings a little moment of peace, comfort and presence has been so important. It reminds me of being at home with my family in London, sitting by the fire, laughing, sipping on tea, which is a feeling I have been missing a lot. It's been hard to find that feeling of comfort and of acceptance in the chaos lately. But honestly, a cup of tea has most definitely helped. There's so much more I want to share with you. But for now, go ahead and sign up today at salmatea.com and enter to win a signed limited edition sampler box full of vibrant, delicious, fantastic teas that will inspire moments of mindfulness. If you're listening to this and you're in an unhappy situation, I get it. I get how hard it is. One of the things that can help is to say, this demon would come out with another person too. Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose, the number one health podcast in the world. Thanks to each and every single one of you that come back every week to listen, learn, and grow. And I am so excited to be talking to you today. I can't believe it. My new book, Eight Rules of Love, is out, and I cannot wait to share it with you. I am so, so excited for you to read this book, for you to listen to this book. I read the audiobook. If you haven't got it already, make sure you go to eightrulesoflove.com. It's dedicated to anyone who's trying to find, keep, or let go of love. So if you've got friends that are dating, broken up, or struggling with love, make sure you grab this book. And I'd love to invite you to come and see me for my global tour, Love Rules. Go to jshedditour.com to learn more information about tickets, VIP experiences, and more. I can't wait to see you this year. Now, you know that I love sitting down with experts, people that have dedicated their life, their time and their years to understanding more about human behavior, human dynamics, and understanding how our mind works. And today I'm sitting down with someone that I've wanted to meet for a long, long time. I've watched his YouTube videos for years. I've been a fan of his content for many, many years on Instagram and other platforms. We've been trying to get together and we finally made it happen. I'm talking about none other than New York Times bestselling author, international speaker and dating expert, Matthew Hussey. Matthew, thank you for being here, man. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. I share the sentiment. I wanted to do this for years and somehow... They, the planets never aligned until now. I know. I remember messaging with you on Instagram. I think I was actually in London at the time, a few years back. And there was a video that we were going to do together. It was one of these dating videos that you were doing. And you're like, oh, do you want to? And I was in London, but I don't know how we kept missing yeah, each other. Yeah, we even had a brief phone call where we like connected and got on really well. And yeah. I know we're both mutual friends of Lewis Howes. And, and it just, yeah, it's, it's fun though to finally be in the same room and do this. It's fun. Yeah. And I feel like it's a momentous occasion because England's playing in the final on Sunday. <laughs> and we're like, we've been brought together as two Brits. Uh, and I, have you decided where you're watching the final? Or you don't know? I have to be in true introverted fashion. I have to be at home. Like 
he, I, I like being with my family because I do like the energy of people who really care. Yeah. What drives me mad is when you've got people who have no idea what they're talking about yelling at a screen <laughs> during a match. Yeah. And I genuinely love hearing all of the commentary. Yeah. So like, I'm one of those people, I'm a, I'm a fight fan, like boxing and so on. When there's a big boxing match, I'm like, all right, everyone can come over, but just I want to hear the commentary. <laughs> so like, I don't, I hate that bar environment of everyone yelling at the screen. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, no, I've, I've actually, I lead a spiritual book club on Sunday and half of it is bang in the first half of the game. So I'm only going to get to watch the second half. It's hard for me to imagine anything more different than the energy of English fans <laughs> back home than a spiritual book, book club. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, this is like a really, it's like an intimate, it's a group of friends that yeah. I need a spiritual book club for. Happens every Sunday and it's 11 to 1. So 11 to 12, I'm going to be doing, sorry, 11 to 1. And so the game starts at 12 here. So man, yeah, I'll get funny. the second half. But no, thank you for being here, man. And like I said, I've watched your videos for years. Uh, senior interviews, uh, senior books, uh, senior, you know, not senior on stage in person. I look forward to being able to do that. Uh, but I wanted to start with the question. I, I, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if I've seen you been asked this before, but I wanted to ask you like, what's your favorite love story ever? Uh, or is, is there one that you have, whether it's a real life one, a client, uh, a personal experience, a book is, you know, what, what's your favorite story of love? That is a really tricky question. There's a there's a movie I saw recently. Uh, it's a Japanese movie called Weathering with You. I've not seen that. It's an animated movie. This guy he he created what was at one time the biggest uh, grossing anime of all time. But this movie Weathering with You is about a young guy and a girl who are you know in this kind of uh, this young love. Uh, there's this kind of mythical story where she, it's constantly raining in Tokyo and she has the power to make the rain go away. They call her a sunshine girl, but, and everyone, she's so prized because she's the sunshine girl. And so she's constantly called upon by people who are running events or fireworks displays or whatever to come along and make it stop raining only and i spoiler alert for anyone who's not seen <laughs> weathering with you by the way i'll come back in three minutes um but there's a uh, every time she does it she she start a piece of herself starts to disappear mm. and it gets to the point where she completely floats up into the sky and no longer has a presence here on earth because wow. she's given so much as the sunshine girl wow. and there's a moment where he goes to save her from up in the clouds because he realizes she can't, you know, even if she comes back down to earth and never does another thing as a sunshine girl and all it does is rain all day, he still chooses her. Wow. And the, for me at least, I'm not saying the director meant this, but it's so beautiful because it felt to me like a story of a, of a person who was accepting that even if being with you means that it's that it's raining, yeah, I still choose you. I don't just choose you when the sun is shining, mm -hmm. and that, there's something stunningly beautiful to me about that because that's a it's a much more grown up kind of love than the one that we tend to look for in our twenties, yeah, or as teenagers and some of us for the rest of our lives, yeah, where you know we love someone as long as the sun is shining, but when when the chips are down and when things are tough they start reassessing everything. 
That was a beautiful answer. <laughs> I love that. That was wonderful. I mean, like, I, I love movies too. So when you said a movie, and I've not seen that movie, so that sounds amazing. I love that. What a great love story. And uh, yeah, now, now I, I don't know, should I still watch the movie? I yeah. really enjoy it. And beautiful. there's another movie he did prior to that called Your Name. Okay. And, um, and they're, they're, there's something very beautiful about his movies. Yeah, yeah. I would check them out. Yeah. yeah, okay. I'll take a look. Yeah, no, I love that. And, and it's so interesting with what you referred to there, this idea of, the view we have of love and relationships in our teens, in our 20s, or like you said, for some people their whole life. How do you think your view of love has changed while helping people create, find, keep love? I mean, you know, you've been on this amazing journey. You've been doing this for what, a decade now? 15 years. 15 years, right? Okay, yeah. so you've been doing this for 15 years. How has your view of love changed over the last 15 years of actually working with people and speaking on stages being interviewed in all these places i suppose getting older myself and i realize i'm still relatively speaking a young man but getting older myself it, it's become much more apparent to me the importance of reevaluating what is actually important in a partner and we tend to our younger selves we we do have this list of things that we think we want that seem important it might be charisma it might be the fact that you know someone uh, is super sexy because they can speak three languages or that you know they've achieved a certain status in their life or an award or whatever they they can play the guitar and we we rate these things as these things and we you know when we think of losing someone we look at all of those things and go i couldn't lose them you know they're they're funny and they're charismatic and, and they're super fun to be around and they're sexy and they can play the guitar and they can, you know, speak three languages. And, and it still is a kind of Instagram profile version of a person. Mm. And someone recently said to me, like, I'm in a relationship with a guy and, you know, he plays the guitar and I find that really sexy and he's really good looking. And, he's, and I'm like, it, he doesn't need in order to be in a relationship with you he doesn't need to be great at music he <laughs> needs to be great at a relationship yeah and if you want to hear someone play guitar really well go to a john Mayer concert yeah, yeah. like or Ed Sheeran or yeah, yeah like you don't need that every day in your relationship <laughs> yeah right what's important in a relationship is someone who is really competent in a relationship and has those skills and those skills are hard one mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons that relationships with big age gaps don't work it's not because there is necessarily a chasm in the way these two people feel it's that there is a huge chasm when it comes to their relationship competence mm -hmm. and their experience and that really does matter and if you're with someone who has an in, a, a far a lower level of relationship experience then they either have to learn through you which is going to be a painful process they're mm -hmm. going to make a lot of mistakes they're going to hurt you a lot in the process that you're going to feel like you're going to have to be careful of avoiding the role of teacher <laughs> constantly in the relationship and try and be equals in a situation that's inherently kind of unequal um and and you're going to have to hope that they do learn those skills you're making quite a big bet Mm -hmm. on the idea that one day they will have that skill set some people take 
most of their lives to get it. And some people never learn it because they're not the kind of people that want to grow mm -hmm. and be self-aware and do the work. And so I, I have come to really believe that my, my view of love has changed to the extent that I think firstly, the idea of, you know, is it about meeting the right person or is it about being the right time? And I've, started to weight my opinion far more towards time. Wow. That when you have decided it's the right time for you to really meet someone, you go into love with a completely different intentionality. Love isn't happening to you. It's not this wave that's washing over you, which is super easy. When a wave's washing over you, you just stand there and just bask in the goodness of how wonderful it feels to to feel that sort of drug but that's not the same thing as as intentionally there's a difference between winning the lottery and starting a business mm -hmm. you know when you start a business there's a method there's a a practical there's a pragmatism to it the things you need to do in order to build this thing and i think that that to me it's i don't think i've developed a less romantic view it, i i actually if anything have more and more and more come to see a person who's in a place where they're willing to actually do the work of a relationship as romantic. Yeah. And I think people consistently get burned when they're not factoring into the equation of how right someone is, whether this person is demonstrating A, that they are also at a time in their life where they're looking for the same thing, and B, that they have genuine great relationship skills like you know we're all going to argue at some point but how do we argue yeah right that's that's just one area but it's a huge thing mm -hmm. so that that to me would probably be the biggest shift I, I believe in timing more these days and i believe that we incre we undervalue to an incredible extent yeah. genuine relationship skills and we overvalue just kind of mindless attraction yeah yeah i love that answer man that's so that's so fascinating to compare person versus time and i yeah i often say to my friends like the most romantic thing in the world is someone who's trying to build relationship competence like that sure. that is the most romantic expression that someone can have i love the way you talk about relationship skills and we're talking about relationship competence i find that actually and and i can say this for my relationships too before i met my wife and with now uh, relationship competence always felt like both people didn't have it. I don't think I was in many relations where I had it and the person didn't. I actually think for many years, it was just, we yeah. both, had, like me and the other person, we both had zero relationship competence. Yeah. How do you think people build relationship competence? Because it almost feels like, and you're right, and you know, I know we both agree on this, that you just expect to know how to be in a relationship and yeah. you kind of just, you're almost expected to know that, oh yeah, you start dating and then you know what to do next. And none of us know what to do next or now. Tell us about how you go about building relationship competence and what are the skills that you kind of break it down into for people to think about that? Well, firstly, I had very much the same experience as you. <laughs> I always thought I was such a great guy yeah. in relationships. <laughs> I really did. Like, <laughs> same. I always thought I was so, you know, the line I always used to say about myself is, you know, I, yeah, maybe I wasn't, ready or maybe i wasn't in a place where i wanted the same thing but i was a great partner yeah. while i was in it it wasn't true no <laughs> i was i was uh what's the word i was a gentleman i was respectful 
I, in many ways, I've always been kind. That's always been a through line of my life, but you can be kind and dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and you can hurt a lot of people when you're kind yeah. and dumb, you know? Yeah. And so I, I look back on myself and it, t sometimes it takes someone who's better than you at a certain part of a relationship, maybe yes. not the whole thing, but they come along and, and you notice that they, you know, going back to that example, argue differently mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than you do. You went into fight mode and they, they went into compassion mode and said, look, babe, I know you on, I know you feel like this, but here's like the way you're reacting right now. Here's how it's making me feel. Mm -hmm. And you go, oh, that was different. What was that? It's <laughs> yeah. like you learned a new move. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you went, yeah what was yeah. that move? Yeah. I haven't seen that one before. I'm usually, I've been in relationships where I say this and then you give me the silent treatment. And then I have just, I, I feel justified in then being mean because you're going silent and now we amp it up. And, and now all of a sudden you, you, you come across someone who takes you off road and, and that's a scary moment. And mm. when someone takes you off road, you have two choices. You can either, you can either be afraid of that. Mm. And it is un something in, uncomfortable about it because you're not used to it. Even mm. kindness can be uncomfortable if you're not used to it. Absolutely. Right. But when someone takes you off road, that, that really is an opportunity to watch what someone else is doing. I think the same is true in business, right? It's you, you see someone else who just did a different thing. Like in your industry, someone did, someone took a, a turn that everyone else didn't. And you can either be the person who says, what are they, what are they, what's that? Mm. Why are they doing that? That's the stupid, or yeah. they think that's going to work. Like, or you can go, oh, that's interesting. No one else is doing that. Yeah. Why are they doing that? That's, let me, let me check that out. Like yeah. you could be curious about it, especially if you think, oh, there's something to that, what yes. they're doing. Yes. And so I think that. But the exploring areas where someone isn't doing the same thing as you mm -hmm. and it takes you into a different experience, that's not bad. It's like, yeah. it almost feels like, oh, this is uncomfortable, but maybe it's showing me something I'm not very good at. You know, maybe they just, maybe they went out with their friends and I picked a fight because I'm jealous about something that I think is, I, I've got this portrayal of what's going on, whatever. I went out with my friends and they said, hey, have, a, have the best night, babe. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Everyone I've been with so far is when I go out with my friends, they get super jealous. Yeah. And that always makes me feel like I've got something to resist. Yes. Yeah. But now I just went out and they said, have the best night. <laughs> By the way, you look gorgeous. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay, what's that? Well, that's a yeah. new move. Which is, yeah. what's that one? You know, and you learn something and that you pay attention because you go, that was really interesting. That made yeah. me, my God, that made me, that made me when I was out, think about them half the time. Mm. You know, and, mm. and think what a sexy, confident person they are. Yeah. That's, I, I want to make her feel that when she next goes out. Yeah, yeah. And that, apparently, that, that's how you do that. Oh, that's interesting. You learn from it. So I think that there's a learning that we get from relationships. But in order to do that, you actually have to be in a space of, of, of being willing to put eyes on yourself. Yeah. And in a constant student mindset. Mm -hmm. which most of us are not, you know, we do go into relationships, a lot of us thinking we know it all. We learn it all from our last relationship. We, but there's, there is just, it's a cliche, but they're just, there's always another level. There are yeah. so many levels to life and it fascinates me because I, I'm always thinking that I'm just thinking, my God, there are so many people <laughs> that are so good yeah. at so many different things. 
Like not, I'm not saying everyone's better than us. They might be good at this one piece of the puzzle, but you watch how they do it and you go, that's really interesting. There's something yeah. to learn from that. But if we're constantly trying to defend our own position and trying to feel like what we do is the right way, we'll never, we'll never learn that. Yeah. And I do, I'm a believer in, I'm a believer in therapy or anything that gets you to be, to, to look at yourself in a, in a constructive way and, and someone in front of you, who's not going to give you the answers that you want. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember a long time ago, um, me saying to a friend, like, oh, I, I'm in, I was in this relationship and I was like, you know, this person wants to speak a lot and I've, you know, I've got this and I've got this and I've got this. And I was expecting him to be like, well, she sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Like she sounds really difficult, man. That's a, yeah. Like, tell me about it. And instead he went, I'm kind of with her on this one. Yeah. Like, actually it's super important that you, he, he was like, <laughs> he actually said to me something funny. He goes, you, he goes, I go to the gym one tenth of the time you do, <laughs> but I have a body like a bag of milk. <laughs> <laughs> he said, so you get what you pay for, Yeah, you know, and yeah. in your relationship, you get what you pay for, yeah. you know, yeah. if you want it to be great, invest in it. And, yeah. and that's that friend or that mentor or that therapist. Don't ever see them again. <laughs> <laughs> fire them <Get> immediately. <laughs> They're yeah. worth their weight in yeah. gold because yeah. we surround ourselves with, you know, people, you know, men surround themselves with the boys club. Mm -hmm. Oh man, she sounds different. Oh, you know, that's so high maintenance, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And women surround themselves with, with their friends who sit around and say, I can't believe he did. I can't believe mm -hmm. he said that to you. I can't. And half of them sometimes are sitting there going, mm, you kind of seem like the unreasonable yeah. one here, but they don't yeah. tell her. Yeah. And then she gets further ingrained in this way of thinking. In fact, they even may amp her up yeah. and send her back into a relationship charged now <laughs> and, and even more defiant. And now, you know, you get even more conflict. So that those to me are some of the key ways to learn and, and just to be open, always, yeah. always, always, always be, be open. Yeah. I love that. I, I love that. I think it's so true. And I love what you said about how, like, it's not like you're going to meet the mentor and your partner or the coach or the guru, but like, they may be just better at one thing uh -huh. or they may be great at just one area of a relationship. And that's what you're kind of mining and picking from my, I, when I look back at what you're saying in my relationship, I'm trying to reflect it in my teens. I realized I had a serious issue with, I just loved being loved. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind, I, I, I identify with so much of what you said. I was always kind. I was always a gentleman. I was always like generous but I realized that in my teens, I would go above and beyond to want someone to fall in love with me. And that's all I wanted. All I actually wanted was for someone to fall in love with me. Uh -huh. And it didn't actually matter who it was sometimes. Like it wasn't even that I really liked them or knew them or understood them. I just wanted that feeling of this person loves me. And what would often happen is they would fall in love with me because I would be the perfect guy by giving them gifts and remembering this and whatever it was. And, and then I would feel like they're not giving me anything back. Now I feel like the one, I'm the one who's doing all the loving and there's no love back, which I've only created myself because of my crazy cycle. Totally relate to all of that. And I was that guy too. And th those guys will often look at guys who are kind of the textbook, the textbook jerk. Yeah. And be like, well, he's awful. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, 
he slept with her and he completely ghosted her and he never called her again or he disrespect whatever he's you, it's easy to point to that guy yeah and be like what a piece of crap that guy is but <laughs> we're more dangerous yeah, yeah. yeah i would then break up with them because i didn't feel loved and then I'd feel like I was the victim and that I'd been the one not treated well. And then my wife broke me because I tried to, I, I, I did the same thing with her. I was always like, but she wasn't impressed by any of the ways I tried to love her right. apart from being me. And that was when it all kind of like uh. unraveled. And I was like, oh, I finally found someone who actually didn't want all the stuff I was trying to do to get her to love me. Mm. And so my wife was the kind of person who broke through that barrier because she just didn't care about the stuff or the memory or the gifting or the extravagant like she hated all that stuff and so all of a sudden my technique wasn't not tech it wasn't even a technique it was genuine in my delusion but it wasn't working anymore right and that's when i had to really look at it because i really loved my wife and i was like oh i actually have to really look at this and so she was the one who broke that and taught me that idea that's beautiful yeah so it took someone who valued something completely different totally. than the thing that the weapon you were used to totally. using right exactly the move the yeah. move that she i was like took to... away all of your special moves yeah all the power so was gone you I have to fight this fight now with none of these special <laughs> moves yeah and then you're all of a sudden like you say it's like being stripped bare yeah now i get a chance to truly be loved for for who i am yeah not the the performance that I'm doing in the beginning, which yeah. as you say, it's not that it's not, it's not genuine. That it was, yeah, it wasn't like I was manipulating. It wasn't manipulative. It's, it's genuinely about getting something for ourselves. Completely. As opposed to genuinely about discovering somebody else or building something or whatever. And 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 I did the same thing. And it's it's one of the great, you know, I deal with, my God, in my company, I, we're dealing with, I mean, millions of women a month worldwide, but tens of thousands in terms of real coaching. And th the one of the biggest problems is people falling for people really quickly. Yes. Falling in love too fast, where it's because they went on a couple of great dates with a guy and they can look at the date and go, he was amazing and you you should have seen what he did and how he was on the date and all of that and the thing i have to always break down is that may not have been about you mm -hmm. it is about something he wanted you to feel mm -hmm. by the end of the date mm -hmm. and not that you know you i, I i'm a I kind of loathe this culture we have right now where everyone's a narcissist. Yes, <laughs> like yes, yes, we yes. call we're so quick to like label. Yeah. He's a narcissist. <laughs> she's a narcissist. It, like I'm like not everyone like we all have a narcissistic streak. Absolutely. And we all exhibit narcissistic behaviors at times. That doesn't mm. mean we're a diagnosable narcissist. Completely. But a narcissistic streak we all have early in dating and to differing degrees is the desire to impress yes rather than connect mm -hmm. and so we go on a date with someone and you know at the height of it if someone's really on the extreme end they will give the greatest date of someone's life yeah and that person goes away and they're like this guy is amazing or this person and they they may have put on an amazing date but you you know nothing yet mm -hmm. and what's cool about your wife say you know going going through that process with you is you know I can imagine for her, it's almost like, well, I want to see how you are in week four. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Or I want to see how you are in month three. Yeah. Or, and until you've been there, you really don't know how great of a partner somebody is going to be. Yeah. And that, that's what I mean by, you know, when you ask me about what I've really learned about love and, and I talked about valuing the wrong things, that's mm. one of the big ways that it shows up. Mm. If you are getting crazy nervous on a date, mm -hmm. you're already, that's already a reflection of the fact that you've valued the wrong things because you're valuing this person's looks or their status or what you perceive them to be. But you can't, you're not valuing them in a relationship mm. or in relation to you, which is defined by how much they give, how they connect with you, how they relate to you, how they see you. Yeah. All of that stuff is completely, is, you're a zero. Yeah. So how can you be nervous if you're valuing the right things? You can only be nervous if you're valuing the wrong things. Mm -hmm. If that to me is the key to eliminating early nerves in early dating is that there is, I, I almost feel a little fatalistic about it, which is funny coming from someone who gives advice in this area for a living, because, you know, I, I do believe that we can influence situations with what we do, but we do have to have a bit of a dose of fatalism that the thing that didn't pan out wasn't the thing. Mm -hmm. The person who's still great in week eight is showing you the right things. But if they suddenly ghost you in week nine, then it doesn't mean they would have been great in week 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, but they were the one and I just, I don't know what, I need closure. You have closure. Mm -hmm. That action was closure. What they showed you is they had eight good weeks in them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's, and it's the same as you'd say in sport. Like if you, if you, I'm just, I was just thinking about sport mm. while you were saying that. And it's the idea of like a player may have one good season in him or her. Mm -hmm. And then that player may have had 10 good seasons in him or her. And sometimes we have these players where we're like, oh, she's going to be the next or he's going to be the next. And then all of a sudden they don't give you that season. And in sports, we get closure by just going, all right, they had potential, but they didn't make it. But you're right in love and life. It's a lot hard to have that mentality of like, they gave me eight good weeks, but they didn't make it. Well, you, and you sit there and you obsess over someone who just left you going, you obsess over what they could have been. Yeah, right? that's what they it is. They could have, you know, this was so promising. They were everything that I was looking for. This could have been. And anytime you, you, someone breaks up with us, you know, the heartbreak is the loss of the life we thought we were going to have mm. with someone. This is, this is what it could have been. This is what it should have have been yeah and my answer to that is it would have been mm -hmm. if it should have been and could have been yeah then it would have been you're literally uh, you're grieving over something that was not it by definition it wasn't meant to happen because it didn't happen yes <laughs> like, yeah yeah it didn't happen so this idea that it it was supposed to or it should have is is myth, it's a yeah, fantasy, it's, yeah. it's science fiction. Yeah. But I feel like in relationships, we have this fantasy mind that's already written the script and yeah. the book and the trilogy before the second date is over. And so it's almost like relationship seems to be like the one area of our life where we write decades into the future 
And we can't help ourselves because we almost think that that, and, and it's almost like you're living, what you're saying is you're living off the fantasy, not even yeah. of the reality that's right in front of you. And so even when you're on a date with them, you're not even there because you're in your fantasy land and of what you think it is. And that's where in, in so many ways, everything that you are, you know, your expertise in mindfulness and everything you've learned there is so important in dating. Because in dating, you have to be on the date you're on. Mm. Mindful dating is be on the date you're on. Don't be on date two, but really you're not. You're on date 32. <laughs> yeah. Don't, your mind has to be on date two with your body. Yes. And when people don't do that, that's where they start, they start constructing a fantasy of where this relationship is going a fantasy of who this person is. They know 5% of someone and they've built the other 95% out of, out yeah. of uh, uh, extrapolation. Yeah. Oh, he was really sweet in that moment. You know, I bet he's good with kids. I bet he's this, <laughs> I bet he's that, I bet he's, you know, yeah. I bet he's an amazing family man. I bet, you know, and, and, and we've all had the experience of meeting someone who is incredibly charming, fun to be around. You know, you went away from like, as men, we sometimes go out and we meet another man and it's like, we've been a date on a date with that <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And you come home and you go, he was so great. Yeah, you know, yeah, I was yeah. like, I loved him to bits. He was, and he really charmed you. And then six months later, the, the that person has really lost their shine because yeah. they're flaky. You realize they don't actually show up when, when you need them to, yeah. you realize that it's they they kind of you know is that the, in the talented mr ripley there's that great line oh that's a great movie great yeah. movie there's yeah. a great line where matt damon is like you know he's become the new chosen best friend yeah. of of um jude law's jude character law, yeah. and his name jude law's character's name's dickie and matt matt damon is is feeling suddenly shut out like out of nowhere he feels shut out when five minutes ago he was like this guy's my best friend and he loves me and he's so and he says to matt damon's girlfriend at the time he's expressing how he feels that it, you know, or no, he's not even expressing. She sees the look on his face that he's sad, that he no longer has this like friendship that feels real to him. And she says, the thing about Dickie is when, when he puts his attention on you, it's like the sun is shining on you. Mm. And then the attention moves on and it's very cold. Yeah. And, and that's the experience of a lot of those people. But when you're taking the 5% of the sun shining on you and you use it to build the 95% that you cannot possibly know, you mm -hmm. can't know who this person is when your brother gets sick and you need to travel to the hospital to be with that person and you need support in that moment. You can't know how that person is when you're having an anxious moment and you need someone to show love and compassion towards you and this anxiety that you can't seem to control and what you really need is a loving teammate to be there with you and not to judge you. You can't know no. what this person is like in year three of a relationship when the, you know, you need to make a shift in your sex life because it feels like that part has become stayed, but you need to work together to figure it out. You don't know what that person is like in those stages. So, in, so thinking that you have all the answers because you've been on even 10 or 15 dates with this person and had a wonderful time, is a is a fallacy a fantasy there's a great um the, the the relationship itself is about every stage of it and the effort that's put in and there's a there's a story from bukowski where he he slept with a prostitute every romantic story begins with <laughs> begins this way 
<laughs> he slept with a prostitute and she, um, he woke up to her having stolen his poetry. And he was so upset, so mad. That's terrible, yeah. And um, he wrote about it. And he wrote a piece that was all about how you could take anything. Take my money, take the other stuff in the, in the apartment, take it all. But please, not my anything but my poetry. And the, the whole piece finishes with the line, and then God said, crossing his legs, I see where I have created a great many poets, but not so very much poetry. Wow. And the, the idea is that, you know, the person who has potential in a relationship is the poet. Mm. The poet. Everyone's a poet. Mm. Not many people writing poetry. Yeah. Writing yeah. is the more difficult part. There are a lot of people who are great on a date, very romantic, very charming. They're a poet on a date. Mm. The poetry is the relationship. Mm. And, and you shouldn't, you know, Bukowski was upset because his poetry was taken, the thing yeah. he'd worked on. And that's how it should be in a relationship is don't, don't get upset because you lost a poet. Poets are, are a dime a dozen. Poetry is rare. Mm -hmm. People who are willing to write the poetry of a relationship, people who are willing to stick it with you for a year, two years, five years, 10 years, that's really rare. And, yeah. and we need to start valuing the poetry far more than we value the poet. Yeah, I love that. What a, what a beautiful analogy. Let's, let's talk a bit about that poetry because I feel like what's amazing is we convince ourselves more of the fiction when you are lusting after that person's looks, fame, prestige, whatever, whatever they have that you're attracted to. It's almost like then even if they do a million bad things, like you said about the guy playing the guitar or whatever it is, it's like, you're like, oh, but he's so, or she's so whatever. But tell us a bit about what to look out for. So when people are out there, and I know what I love about what you do is that, and I love this conversation by the way so far, because it's, it's, it's philosophical and it's, real but you're great at getting practical too and i mm. see that in all the work you put out what's some of the practical things that people can look out for i know so many friends who are in early relationships or just started to date someone or finally met someone yeah. what can they look for in those moments or is it looking for anything you may maybe that's even the wrong place to start i think it's so we have a duty early on to bring our best to the table in as much as we can we're all going to make mistakes we're all going to have anxious moments or jealous moments or moments where we let our insecurity get the better of us moments where we let our anger get the better of us everyone's going to have these moments but we want to try and put our best foot forward but i always think that we learn a lot in the moments where you have your first fight mm. or you reveal something about yourself and you see how they react to it. You know, do they react with compassion? Or is there immediate judgment? And 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 I don't mean a moment where you kind of try and perform. Yeah. I mean a moment where you genuinely are brave enough to let someone in and be seen. Yes. Does this person do they see you? Do they acknowledge you? And do they show compassion? and curiosity about why you are that way and mm -hmm. what's happened in your life to get you there. Do they really, are they looking to figure you out and who you are is a wonderful, wonderful sign. Cause a lot of people are just in a relationship and they're sleepwalking. Yeah. 
They're yeah. just, they're, they're enjoying it. They're enjoying the fruits of the relationship, but you don't get the impression someone's really trying to get to know you. Mm -hmm. You don't feel seen by that person. Mm -hmm. The person who's actually asking questions of you, the person who's looking to understand the good and the bad in you, mm -hmm. and who elevates the good and soothes the bad, mm -hmm. that's something very beautiful mm -hmm. to look out for. The person who can come back and say sorry, as of course, and I apply the same standard to to both sides. Yeah, of course. But the person who can who can come back and say sorry, you know, again, we we all when I'm when with one of my staff in my company, when I say, you know, when I give them a difficult piece of feedback, I don't expect them to smile in that moment. Yeah, I don't expect them to like take you know in. The, I I would hope that they don't react in a really negative or toxic way but mm -hmm. i don't expect them to have an easy time with that but if that person can go away over the next few hours or days and then come back and say you know i really thought about what you said and i'm going to work on that that's something to look for because mm -hmm. you can really like that person if you're both that kind of person mm -hmm. you can work with that person yeah that's someone you can genuinely have a relationship with because it's not a relationship that's based on perfection or never having an argument, but it is based on two people who are humble enough to genuinely own their mistakes or to own the areas where they want to get better. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm always looking at the ways people argue and whether they, whether they're trying to do damage in an argument yeah. or whether they're trying to rebuild in an argument. And mm -hmm. if you're with someone that every time you come out of an argument, you feel like they lacerated you and there's that you're, you you come out of an argument bleeding every time, you know, and you're like, they, why did they have to say that incredibly <clears throat> nasty thing? And it's one thing if they come back 10, an hour later and say, or even a day later and say, I truly regret having said that to you and I will do better. Mm. But if they won't even acknowledge that that was a really toxic way to have an argument and that was a really nasty thing to say, then that's a problem because this is a relationship that's not going to soothe you. Yeah. It's going to create more and more wounds. So that I would say is an important thing. And, and two people genuinely, genuinely at the core of it operating as a team. Mm. What, do you, what do you need? And can I tell you, you know, you're working really hard right now. Can I understand what your goal is in doing this and seek to understand that and where that's coming from for you and why that's important? But can I also voice to you that I'm not feeling very loved right now mm. and that I'm, I, you know, maybe it's just my insecurity or maybe that, you know, but I, or maybe I don't have some enough as much, many things going on in my life right now as you do in yours, but I know one of the effects is it's creating some anxiety for me and it's making me feel like you don't love me as much as I love you. You know, it, you want an environment where you can have that real conversation. And it, it then to me, a relationship is no longer about right and wrong. It's about the conversation. Mm -hmm. Can the conversation be had? Mm-hmm. That to me is one of the greatest signs of a relationship you should hang on to yeah. is can the relationship be had mm -hmm. and can it be had in a beautiful and, and productive and loving way? Yeah. Because that's all, you know, uh, um, David Brooks said marriage is a 50 year conversation. Mm -hmm. 
right? Is that conversation, a, does it feel good? Yeah. Doesn't always feel comfortable, but does it feel like this is a conversation that is making me better? Yeah. Or is it a conversation that's always making me worse? Yeah, I love that. And and, and I think it's it's such a vicious cycle though sometimes because I find that you get into an argument, like you said, which I think the first argument is such a great... Uh, like it's such a great market to put down huh. as yeah. let's let's reflect on this. Yeah. I think that's such a great way of putting it that you said. And if you look at that, often what happens is the person reacts badly. It's natural. You react badly too. And then you're waiting for that person to make up and that person's waiting for you to make up. And then maybe you go ahead and put the first hand in, mm -hmm. but then now they deal with the second bad and now you're waiting again. And I feel like we get lost in this like waiting game. And I kind of got to a point where I was just like, I want to make sure that I am leading this conversation. So a conversation that me and my wife always have is, I'll always check in with her and be like, is this relationship going in the direction you want it to go in? Like, is this going in the direction? Mm. Is this relationship what you want it to be? And if it's not, what do you want it to be? And what are you willing to do to get there? Because, and I'll always be like, well, this is not how I want the relationship to be. Yeah. And this is what I want it to be. And I find like that conversation for me is really healthy. And I'm always happy. One thing that I've got to right now, and I think my wife has this in different parts of our relationship, I'm always happy to take the responsibility for the quality of the relationship because I'm in it. In the same way as I'm with my company, in right. the same way as I'm for this podcast, right. in the same way as I'm for anything. It's like, it's easy to, it's easy to sit there and go, well, what are you bringing to the table? And, and I realized at one point where I was like, if I care about stuff, I've got to be okay with and grabbing onto the reins. And the, the funny thing is I started to realize that, that actually there are plenty of times when my wife does that. She just does it in different areas mm -hmm. that I don't notice. And so it can feel like I'm carrying the burden, but actually that's not true. I'm, I'm taking responsibility where I thrive. And actually she's taking responsibility, responsibility where she thrives and I don't even notice that. And that's when I started to feel healthier rather than like, I was like, well, where you show up? Like, what are you doing? And uh, I remember when I was a monk, the, the teachers would always tell us that, you know, you may sit in a class with a non-charismatic teacher. Mm. So they were like, some of the monks are not gonna be the most charismatic, the most attentive, the most like huh. dynamic teachers of the, the, the texts and the spiritual scriptures. And they were like, but if you're a student that's 10 out of 10, even if the speakers are one out of 10 in presentation, you're going to get lots. But if you're a one out of 10 and the speaker's 10 out of 10, then yeah. they're lifting you up. But by the way, if you're at a one out of 10 and they're at a one out of 10, that's all you're going to get. And it's yeah. kind of like what your friend said about the bag of milk. You know, the, <laughs> the, the idea of like taking your own responsibility for if you want to be in a relationship. Oh, see, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. that yeah, but that I'd love to, speaks yeah. again. You're so right, Jay. And it's be truly beautiful that you have that in your relationship. And it's, and it's also brave. Because talking, those conversations are not easy. They, and people can say things in those relationships, in those conversations that can scare us. They can say, well, I'm not happy because I want it to go in this direction. Yeah, I've heard like, that too, yeah. Oof, like, you know, or I didn't realize you were unhappy in that way, or I didn't realize you felt like that. Though, it takes a lot of bravery to have conversations like that. And I commend you for that. And I, and I think that's one of the things a lot of people aren't willing to do is step bravely into an area where they could be criticized. Mm. Um, but I, I think it is one of the most important aspects of a relationship is being able to do exactly that. 
So no, I think it's I think it's a, a stunning thing. Well, it's uncomfortable, like you're saying. It's not, and and I'm not sharing. It, it's like we've perfected and we've got it right. I'm just saying that that's what we've had to do in order to like you know we're only at year five, year eight in our relationship, year five in marriage. But it's like that's what we've just. I've had to find these. What you're saying, like the 50 year conversation yeah. and, and the idea you're saying of having these, like, I'm just, I've noticed that without these things, you could go years without changing anything. But speaking of what you said with the, the idea of the monks, that to me goes back to the, you know, what I was saying about timing being important. Yeah. I do believe when you go into a relationship with genuine purpose, mm. And even when you go into dating with genuine purpose, you you know you go on a dating app because a lot of people out there listening to this won't be in relationship. They'll be right now in the crapshoot of dating apps yeah. trying to figure out how to navigate. When we're intentional, we bring a different energy to the things we do. Mm. We bring a different energy to a person. And in a relation, in early dating, I think that when you're really intentional and when you really are like, I'm looking for a real connection here. You don't actually judge people as quickly. Yeah. You don't dispose of people as quickly where you just go wrong, 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 <laughs> wrong, wrong. You, you start actually looking for what could be right. Mm. You start, and I'm not saying ignoring abusive and toxic behavior. I'm just yeah. saying those superficial things, we just, you know, decide, no, they don't meet this checklist. They don't meet this one or whatever. We lose that because what we're looking for is is deeper and we start genuinely seeking to like, we're on a date and we start going, let me really find <laughs> yeah. out who this person is. Yeah, Like, let me really see them and let me not be judgmental of them so quickly and, and look to understand them. And the, the reward for that is that this person now actually feels seen by you. Yeah, that's great advice. And they now give you a different energy than they may have given on the last 10 dates. Yeah. You suddenly they blossom on the date differently because of the energy in front of them. Uh, there's a, a Mitch album wrote a line about, you know, if the culture isn't serving you, then you have to be brave enough to create your own culture. Mm -hmm. And in dating wow. for so many people, I, you know, I get all the complaints about dating these days, <laughs> you know, it's superficial. It's yeah. no one, everyone's flaky. No one goes on real dates. No one's trying. No one's really committing. No one wants a real relationship. It's like, okay, so what you're describing to me is what you perceive to be a culture yeah. that's not working for you. Yeah. But if that culture isn't serving you, then create your own culture mm -hmm. that surrounds you. Mm -hmm. And and your culture can be powerful, not for the world necessarily, because for that, there needs to be a combined cultural shift. Yeah. But in your micro life, in your micro problems and, and opportunities, the culture you create will have an impact on the people around you. Yeah. And it the same way, you know, I said, if you go into a room at a party and you say, I hope this party's good. Well, now you're a victim to what, however this party is. Yeah. You know, if everyone seems kind of closed off and mean and, you know, there's cliquey and it's <laughs> like, oh God, then you go home and you say, oh my God, that party was so, you know, it was one of those horrible parties. But if you go in and you say, I'm going to at the very least be responsible for a part of this party. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to go in and I'm going to give the love and the energy and the, and the, and the compassion and the authenticity that I would love for people in this room to join me in yeah. giving. 
Some will, some won't. And by the way, that's also good because it will help you find your crowd, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. You, you find your crowd by being the thing you want to be, not by hoping that your crowd elicits it from you. Completely. You found your crowd online by going out and being an energy that you wanted to be first. Mm-hmm. And then that crowd noticed you. It's like a lighthouse. All the ships start knowing where to come home mm-hmm. because they see the, you know, they see the lighthouse. That, that for me is... That's one of the most beautiful things about giving energy early on. Mm. I see dating, you know, not just relationships, but I see people in dating these days. It's the game is who can try less, who can be cooler, who can be yeah. more indifferent. And, and that's honestly not the way to do it. That's certainly the way to attract someone of a lower frequency. I love that. Yeah. Right. You can certainly attract someone who wants the game, who wants the, who's got the demons that make them chase someone who's not into them <laughs> yeah you know yeah. Uh, and there are plenty of people with those demons but you don't want to be in a relationship with a person like that because for sure a person like that the moment you stop playing hard to get and you turn around to meet them they're not going to be interested in you anymore because yeah. their demons will tell them this person likes us now <laughs> they're not they this person's no longer cool to us yeah they were only cool to us as long as they didn't like us so you can't ever so messed up. Yeah, yeah, but it's you know it's that uh, that Groucho Marx thing. I wouldn't want to be a member of any club that would have me as a member. Yeah, that yeah. describes dating insecurity amongst people like that. Is I want to that person doesn't want me. They must be a catch. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and yeah. and so what we have to do is give when we give a little more energy in dating, and say you know what this person who I've known for five minutes maybe I'm not feeling much energy here, but I'm just going to give some energy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give an amount of energy I'm willing to lose, <laughs> right? That's an, a key way of looking at it. Yeah. What you don't do is you keep trying with someone who's not giving you equal energy back. Yes, That's, yeah. That then becomes masochistic. Right. But giving an amount of energy you're willing to lose. I always think about that in every interaction. That's so true, yeah. Give like an amount that. you don't mind losing. Yeah. It's like going into the casino and playing like roulette. It's like, all right, I'm in Vegas. <laughs> I'll give like a hundred bucks and then I'm not spending anything else here in these casinos. That's it. You know, for me, it's normally like 10 bucks because I just, (laughs) I'm not a gambler, but you just decide what am I happy to lose? And it's the same with energy. It's, you know, I'm dating right now. I want to find someone amazing, someone beautiful. I'm going to give to everyone I interact with an amount of energy I don't mind losing. Mm -hmm. And some people I'm going to, I'm going to bring out the people who yeah. who now are willing to give it back because all of a sudden they'll, they might be jolted out of their little coma mm-hmm. that they've been in because they're disillusioned with dating and they feel like no one's trying and so they went into their shell but they now they see you with a different level of warmth and playfulness and 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 just positivity and they go yeah. huh who is this this makes me feel good and yeah. then they come out a little bit and all of a sudden you see who they are you wake them up a little bit and then there's a bunch of people you won't and that's okay because you were willing to lose that much energy. Yeah. But what people do instead, they do a far more dangerous thing of being afraid of the rejection from people that they approach or talk to in the first five minutes. God forbid I get rejected in the first five minutes. But then they'll meet someone where they have a bit of connection and chemistry, but who isn't trying, who isn't giving them equal energy. And they'll keep pouring energy into that person month after month after month when they're not getting the same in return. Yeah. And they think that's safer than going out there and getting rejected by a new person. Yeah. 
But actually, this is the dangerous one. Yes. The being rejected in five minutes by someone who doesn't even know you, who who on an app, how much can someone really reject you anyway? Yeah. And we all know our experience. We've all chosen people in life who on an app, we might have swiped right past. Absolutely. Right. So yeah. we know from our own personal experience that if we get rejected on an app, it doesn't even mean that person wouldn't like us in real life. Totally. Yeah. Right? But we're so afraid of that rejection. That's mortal fear is that rejection. And yet continuing to waste months or years on someone who's who's giving us unequal energy yeah. is something people happily do yeah. they spend that time like it's nothing because and that's the really because it feels one. safe because it feels like there's something at least there's that- some connection there's some comfort well there's a couple of things it's firstly it's comfortable yeah. right it's, it's what i know doesn't mean i'm happiness and comfort are very different things it's not happy i'm not happy i'm not getting my needs met but it's comfortable yeah Right? So I'll stay in it for that reason. It's the fear of I'll never find anyone again, mm. which is a fallacy because you found this person. Yeah. You, you did it already. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it, by the way, this person's not so unique that they're the only person in the world that's going to find you attractive. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like they're attracted to you because you're attractive. Yeah. But that's the crazy thing, right? We have this massive paradox between there's now unlimited choice more mm-hmm. than ever. You feel like you have way more choice than you had before. But then we have limitless fear to go with that that we may not find anyone ever again like it's that weird thing right like it's the idea of like i i don't so i've never had to online date or app date right i became a monk when i was 21 and then my wife's been the only person i've been with since i left so i the last Which date, is a really impressive age to become a monk by yeah the way. right i feel but, like that's uniquely impressive is becoming a monk at 21 well, well i started at 14 so i had seven years <laughs> Of of Got it. being a single of build, man of, yeah. of, of, of runway yeah, to get totally, there. I totally. feel like becoming a monk at eighty. Yeah, yeah, like, I'll exactly. take that. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I think I did it because of having to, having to figure out some of this stuff. But but I the last time I went on a date was apart from my wife was about what like God know, like twelve thirteen years ago. So I never had to date from an app. The closest thing we had was High Five. Do you remember High Five? No. High Five was like an early Facebook where it'd show you 200 to 300 friends in your network. Got it. And it was Facebook, but it was most people, most guys in their teens used it for dating. But the idea of you, you feel there's so much choice now. Like you just always, like you said, you're just swiping mm. away. You're looking at profiles, everything. But at the same time, you feel like you'll never find someone again. What, where's, what's happening there? What are you seeing there when you're speaking to people? I think there's a, it's a combination of things. It's, people aren't experiencing for, for a lot of people they're not experiencing what they see as an endless ocean of choice yeah what they're experiencing is an endless ocean of disappointment wow of constantly talking to people with it not going anywhere wow being ghosted talking to someone and they that person never actually takes them up on going on a date so it's like we're living a computer game version of dating but yeah. i'm not actually meeting up in real life or you know, meeting someone it seems to be going well for a few dates and all of a sudden they disappear and, mm. you know, they're, or they're not interested anymore. It fizzles out. And so it's, it's a lot of disappointment. But the, but the ironic thing about that is that on the flip side, people experience that choice in a negative way. So mm. what they feel is the person I could be going, I'm going on a date with has they, endless choice. Wow. And, yeah. and that brings out all of my insecurity. Because I feel like I'm never, how can I possibly compete with what Bo Burnham says is everything all the time. Yeah, I can't compete with that. I can't compete with you having access to 
everyone in a 10 mile radius or more if you choose to have more that's something I, I, I how do I possibly live up to that and that to me is at the root of so many people's lack of confidence even their lack of authenticity when they go on a date because they're trying to be they stop trying to connect and they start trying to be something they think the other person yeah. wants them to be and now it's a departure from themselves now to me the lesson here is the same as you know i one of the things i really enjoy about working with people in their love lives is that there is it's so transferable and universal to other domains so if you look at this this problem of we're afraid you know we can't live up to the choice that somebody else has that's actually true in business too it's true in content creation right like i i've had it in the last couple of years i've had moments where i look at just how many creators there now are and just how much video content is pumped online every day that i i feel like i've overeaten and want to be sick yeah and i'm like they, it can get to a point where even though because in one sense being good at something creates confidence mm -hmm. right if you feel like you're a good partner and you're attractive and you have good qualities and so on then you feel like a version of competence yeah. and the same is true in content creation i've been doing what i do for 15 years i feel very competent when it comes to speaking into a microphone going on tv going on stage making videos and yet there's still moments where i've had just this little feeling of like do i need like does the does the world need another voice yeah everyone is speaking all the time mm -hmm. And I mean, this is a side note rant, but like, I, you know, it was so funny. I was watching, there was like some thumbnails for mo for a, a major podcast. And and this is no slant on it because I, I understand what happens with this, but it was so funny because I was like, there was one thumbnail that was like, you know, be kind to yourself. And then the next one was um, achieve through suffering. <laughs> There's like another one that's like push past your limits and 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 ignore the realistic and there's another one that's like motivation is bs yeah. and it was all the same podcast yeah but it's like every next thumbnail is like a piece of wisdom that contradicts in some way the last piece right but that i think is just i think we're all force feeding ourselves content at the yeah. moment at yeah. a rate that's just untenable but when you're a creator in an environment like that you can get to a point where you're like does the world need me yeah yeah like, if I just stop talking, does it matter? Everyone else is saying it anyway, in a thousand different ways. And what I tell myself is there is someone that uniquely vibes with my personality and the way I deliver the message. I need, I, it's not about me worrying, how do I grab that person's audience or how can I appeal to everybody? It's just about me saying, you know what? It, it, William Zinser, there's a wonderful book for life and writing. Uh, someone once said to me, every book on writing is a book on life. Yeah. But there's a, uh, William Zinser wrote one of the seminal books on writing, which I forget. I think it's on uh, how to, great writing or something. If you look up William Zinser, people will find it. But um, he says, you know, when you go to, he said, you may be a, aspiring travel writer who when you think about going to tokyo to write about tokyo you think but thousands of travel writers have been to tokyo and written about tokyo what 
do I possibly have to add? And he says, but the world hasn't heard what your lens on Tokyo is. Mm. The world hasn't heard your take on Tokyo. And that might contain some idea or way of looking at things that other people haven't actually done or that you may say the same thing, but you may say it fresh. Yeah. And, and so I tell myself that when I'm creating content that it's not about appealing to everyone. It really is about saying, I, my take on this is interesting for its own sake to the people that yeah. vibe with me. The same is true in dating. Mm-hmm. That I see that you, there is a specific audience for you and it doesn't have to be 99.999% of people. Yeah. If you're looking for a serious relationship, it just has to be one. Yeah. Those are amazing odds. That's a great analogy. I love that. That may, that it resonates. You're so right on both levels and, and you're spot on. It's, it's weird that in dating too, we want to be attractive to everyone. We want everyone to feel just as a content creator. You want everyone to feel a certain (laughs) way about you. And so I think that's such a great way of looking at it. And yeah, I I love the idea, the the writer you mentioned around the voice on Tokyo. Yeah, I always feel that. I'm like, we need more faces and more voices. And because there are just so many people that you can connect to that I can't connect to and vice versa Mm -hmm. with everyone else. And I see that all the time that whatever, and whatever field you're in too, right? Like I always say like, there's enough space for, the best athletes, the best actors. Like there's so many actors, there's so many actresses, but there's always a new person that kind of makes it in and wins the upcoming actor award. That's really true. Actress award, yeah. because you kind of want to discover, and you also want the idea of discovery. And, and I think people almost make it huh. like, I think we've always made it about like, oh, who's your top three? Who's your top five? And the people that actually are watching and listening, they don't see it in a hierarchy. They just are like, oh, I listen to this group of people. Right. That's usually how people think about it mm-hmm. i feel like even if someone asked me like who are your favorite authors i don't i don't have a categoric like number one author there's a group of authors that i love reading from yeah and and yep. i feel like that's how people and in relationships obviously like you're saying it's it's a much smaller pool but you having that intention is going to be much more clear but tell me about your take on changing people mm. uh, i i wonder how much you get people saying i'm with someone i met someone they have potential. I think I can change them. Mm. There's a quote from, I think it's Jacob M. Broad, where he says, consider how hard it is to change yourself and you'll understand how foolish it is to think you can change somebody else. Yeah. And that people should really let that sink in. Yeah. <laughs> because at, in the beginning of January, 60, 70, 80% of the world decides they want to get fit and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> How, what percentage of those people get fit and healthy? Yep. Those are people who want to change. Mm. They didn't make that resolution for nothing. They mm. made it because they want that. Yeah. It's not someone saying to them, you should really lose weight and them going, I'm fine. That's someone saying to themselves, I should really lose weight. And they still can't do it. Mm. Now, consider being in a relationship with someone who's not even admitting that they need to change and thinking that they're going to change. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. It, would, it would be on your heart or behalf, and I'm not saying it would be wrong to trust someone when they say this, but it's still speculative yeah. if you or I are in a relationship and you say, Matt, I'm going to change. 
That's still speculative for me. <laughs> <laughs> you might. Yeah. It might be too hard. Yeah. But it might be worth me staying if we have a lot of love between us and you're saying I'm going to change because I say, you know what? That's if if you're really committed to this, then then game on. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. But in order for that to happen, you have to first acknowledge that there's something to be changed and then show desire to change it. And frankly, to have any real credibility, show a plan for changing it. Yeah. When two people are in a relationship or two people break up and a woman comes to me and says, you know, um, two weeks later, he came back and he said he'll never, you know, he, he wants me back and whatever, and he's not going to hurt me again. I always say, an important question to ask is why would it be different this time? Mm. Not from an emotion, not from a like charged place, yeah, but yeah. a real curiosity. I get that you're telling me. Yeah. Has that person even thought about that part? Right. Like two weeks later, which is a suspect time <laughs> anyway, right? Because yeah. this is like, you're very much in the panic stage of I'll say anything to get you back right now. Yeah. That's not considered, but Fine, this is where we are. We're two weeks out from our breakup. You're telling me you want me back and you'll never hurt me again. I get you want me back. But what is it that's, that's different mm -hmm. this time? That's what I need to understand to feel safe mm -hmm. to go down this road with you again. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think people can and do change. Otherwise, you and me would be out of a job. Mm -hmm. But change if you are not the author of your own change mm. then the idea that your partner is somehow going to will you yeah to change you know it's like telling your partner I, I want you to do therapy yeah and them going okay yeah exactly. i'll go and that's the reason most people do go right I, I find at least from from people that i speak to or work with like you hear that so often that the number one reason people do go to therapy is because their partner kind of forced them into it and they kind of agreed to it. And, and, that's, yeah. and that's a problem because you're hoping that they will see the value in it once they get there. And yeah. they might, yeah. but it's, you, someone needs to have some skin in the game. Yeah. And, and so I just think that... <laughs> here's what I will say, because there are so many people in relationships or in situationships, if you want to call yeah. them that, that are convincing themselves, they're conning themselves that somebody else is one day going to be different. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you have to say to yourself, on what basis have you decided this? Mm -hmm. What is it that this idea that they are, that some grand change is imminent, what is that based on? Yeah. Is it based on them having said to you, hey, I know that in these last few months or, or years or whatever, this has been a big problem in this relationship. And I know that's because of me. Mm -hmm. And this is something I am committed to changing. Yeah. Have they said that? Because <laughs> if they haven't, yeah. I have to ask, where is the logic here yeah. underpinning your argument that they're one day going to change? Yeah. Oh, this isn't about them that they're going to change or that they've even expressed a desire or a willingness or a commitment to change. This is about your demons calling the shots. Yeah. 
This is about your fear of losing someone because maybe they don't want to change. Mm -hmm. But what what's really happening is you don't want to lose someone. You don't want to be on your own again. You don't want to take the risk that there's something else out there where you can get your needs met on a higher level. And then it becomes about exploring yourself and, and saying, well, this person's been this way for years and I've complained about it for years. So is, is this still about them? Can yeah. I really keep saying this is about them? That's so powerful, man. That, that, that really like hit, hit a chord and I hope that everyone who's listening and watching, you know, that drops and sinks in for them as well because what you just said there, I think that's the dilemma that most people are in. Do I stay or do I go? Yeah. And you've just answered like, you know, that's how you know, like that's, it's clear. You know, I, I sometimes look at videos of, of myself from years ago oh, and gosh. I cringe because <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm like, I, you know, it's not, what I'm saying might be factually right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the way I'm saying it, I, I was once. Um, it's like looking at old hairstyles. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's like looking at old fashion sense, old yeah. hairstyles, old oh, advice. I thought that you. looked good. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that, yeah. I was in Beverly Hills when I first got to LA. I was about 25 and, mm. and I was making a video in front of the Beverly Hills sign. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to get the Beverly Hills sign in the background. And, and, and it was a video about getting over heartbreak. Right. And I think it was like the three tips for getting over heartbreak, right? Which, by the way, as soon as you say three tips yeah. for getting over heartbreak, you already don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> because anyone who's deep in heartbreak is not coming to you going, what are your tips? Yeah. <laughs> They're going, save me from yeah. this existential Crisis. Yeah. doom yeah. I am in where life doesn't feel worth living yeah. right now. Yeah. You know? And I was making this video and at the end of the video, a guy came over. It's like a three, four minute video. Cause of course you can sum up how to get over deep, deep <laughs> loss in three minutes. He came over and uh, he said to me, you've never been heartbroken, have you? Someone who's just watching, just to listen to the whole, I didn't know he was wow. listening, but wow. he was like in earshot the whole time. And he was like, you've never been heartbroken, have you? Now, 25 year old, know it all me. I was like, in my head, because out loud, I went, no, I have. And yeah, yeah I, I have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I like sort of shuffled on. In my head, I went, who do you think you are? Yeah. Of course, I've like, what does this guy know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you know so much more than me. or He was right. I had never been truly. I'd had time. I'd had things that like hurt me. Yeah, sure. I'd never been like crushed. Yeah. And having had that experience in my life now, the video I make is very different. <laughs> How I talk about that is extremely different. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because I am aware that these things we're talking about here, it's very easy from a distance 100%. to say to people, this person hasn't changed in a long time. Yeah. What makes you think they're going to change now? And why are you still there? Yeah. And the why you're still there is because this stuff is so hard. Change is so hard. Leaving a situation. So hard. It's doing it. Changing anything is hard. Like this is one of the things that I sort of, 
one of my gripes, I suppose, sometimes with some of the self-development rhetoric is that it makes things sound so much easier than they are. Mm. And it sort of, it, it trivializes what are really difficult things. Mm. You know, it, it, most people, if they could just turn off their depression or their anxiety, yeah. if there was just a switch where they could go, they would do it. Yeah. And, and it's t a terrible thing to feel. So yeah. the fact that they are feeling it must mean it's very difficult for them to not feel that. Yeah. And the same is true of a relationship. If someone has stayed in an unhappy situation for a long time, that must mean it is incredibly difficult for them internally to make peace with the idea of leaving. Mm -hmm. And, and what's happening of course is in this moment where it's evident to all of their friends and family that they should leave and that they should never look back. Their abandonment issue that's been around their whole life is screaming at them. Yeah. Screaming, using any tactic it can to get them to stay. And when they were in the relationship, the way the tactic it used maybe was to go into people pleaser mode. And even though this person is not treating me right, I'm going to do anything I can to make them happy, make every compromise, make every sacrifice, bend over backwards, subjugate my own needs to try and serve you all, all in order so that I can keep you. Yeah. And then at a point where you get so unhappy and you say, oh my God, this person's terrible. I've had to lose myself in this relationship to make them happy. I'm going to leave just at the point of leaving, just as your friends are like, thank <laughs> the Lord, they did it. Yeah. They left. You go home that night and that abandonment demon realizes a different tactic has to be played. So it says, maybe they weren't so bad. Maybe like we're asking for too much. Maybe like, you know, they did have really great qualities, didn't they? I mean, yeah. they were, they were loyal and they, they're a lovely person a lot of the time and they're this and they're that. And that, that voice starts using a different tactic with you mm. because the only thing that voice wants is don't be abandoned. Yeah. And it'll do anything in its power to reach that goal. It will ruin your life to achieve that goal because it only has one goal. And the goal is don't, is not make you happy. The goal is make sure you're not abandoned. Yeah. And, and so this stuff is so difficult and it's why people should, that in those moments, if anyone is listening to this and, and if you're listening to this and you're in an unhappy situation, I get it. I get how hard it is. And taking the time to really say, one of the things that can help is to say, this, this demon, would come out with another person too. Mm. So it's not really about this person. To that extent, at least, yeah. I can depersonalize this and go, it's not really about losing this person. It's just about losing a person. Yeah. And, and I'll ha I can carry this demon with me to the next one and the next one and the next one. So, but I, I, I think people, people should be compassionate to themselves, but uh, if they're struggling, to end something difficult, but extend that compassion to your future self. Yeah. Because 
extend truly extending your compassion to your future self is doing something that gives him or her a shot at a happy and a peaceful life and if you know that the all the evidence has told you you can, it can, it does not reside here then compassion towards your future self is leaving even if for your present self it's deeply painful that's so powerful man that's that's amazing i'm so glad that you brought it to that and your reference to just how people could switch it off that i remember when i read that statistic the first time that we have 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day but 80% of them are repeated and that's that was the one that really hit me and i was like yeah that's what's <sighs> happening like if someone's saying that to themselves what you just said about abandonment the idea of if someone keeps repeating to themselves without even knowing subconsciously yeah. Don't be abandoned, don't be abandoned, don't be abandoned, don't be abandoned. And that's just repeating over and over again. When you hear the advice of like, oh yeah, you should be able to leave or walk away. Of course it's hard because that's one thought amongst 60,000 thoughts or whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a complete rewiring that needs to take place. And it's not just about cutting the wire, right? Like we're so, we're just like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna cut that thought out. And it doesn't work like that. It's completely shifting it around. And so I love what you just said that, you know, I, I'm so glad that you took this conversation there because without that, actually it's not even possible to rewire because yeah. you're just trying to cut a wire that can't be cut. It's yeah. not possible to cut it. And even if you cut it in the form of ending this relationship, yeah. the issue's still there and you'll yeah. latch onto the first person you find on the way out. Exactly, exactly. Matthew, we've talked about so many things today. Uh, I wanna ask you, is there anything that I haven't ask you to share before we dive into the final five is there something that's in your heart in your mind that's intuitively there for you that you feel like you need to share with everyone today before we dive into the final five i suppose um if i may yeah, there's a there's I, i've i've been working on something recently that i know these subjects can as you said seem very abstract even when you talk about when we talk about confidence it's a very hard thing to latch on to and figure out, well, okay, I wanna be more confident. I wanna be confident enough to leave, or I'm single, but I wanna be confident enough to approach that person. Yeah. To, it, it's a very hard thing to grab onto. What does it mean to be more confident? How do I actually mm. do it? I put together something that I said, if in 30 days I wanted to, if I had a gun to my head and it was, you have to improve someone's confidence in 30 days, what would you do? I said, well, maybe I'd create five challenges that were specifically engineered around the that. psychology of confidence. And my theory with this is, if you can give yourself a genuine, not like, you know, completely transform everything about your confidence in 30 days, because we all know that's just BS. No one's, the world is full of these kind of hyperbolic promises. But if people can I believe that when you can create like a crack in the doorway and that shows you what's possible, that momentum leads to something bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't think someone starts by saying, I know I can be a millionaire. I think someone starts by saying, I made two grand this month. I bet I could make two and a half next month. Mm. And then making two and a half and go, I think I see a way to four. Yeah. You know, that to me is how belief is built. It's incremental. Mm -hmm. And so I said, if I can get people a 30 day significant incremental shift in their confidence then whatever goals they have this year that will give them moment, the yes. momentum to charge into those goals differently yeah um so i put together a, a place where i've got I, there's an initial kickoff call that i'm doing with everybody 
where I'm going to take them through those five I love that. challenges. We're going to do them, go through them together as a blueprint for 30 days. And then the timer of the 30 days is going to start. And everyone's goal as a community is to do those five challenges over those 30 days. And That's I've awesome. Literally engineered them based on the psychology of what I've learned about confidence over 15 years. Um, if I may, I would say. I'd love that. Where can people sign yeah, up? Yeah. It, if you go to mhchallenge.com, mm -hmm. that's my initials, mhandchallenge.com. There's a place where people can sign up and they can join that challenge. But we already ran it once and it was the the results have been really beautiful because everyone's writing in and yeah, saying, yeah, I just ticked off this it together challenge. Too, I just yeah. did this. I just did this. So it's been a very unifying thing for people. And we're about to do we're running it again now so people can come and join at mhchallenge.com i love it everyone who's listening and watching make sure you do sign up at mhchallenge.com i don't want you to miss out on that that sounds that sounds awesome and it's so much more fun doing it with other people and yeah taking it through these five challenges and, and we know and our life it. changes by by those practical things thousand percent yeah thousand percent like i've i've never changed without being i've always said to everyone is Three things, coaching, consistency, and community. Like those are the three things. If you want to change any area of your life, yep. if you don't have coaching, you don't have consistency and you don't have community, you're not going to change it. Yep. And so that's exactly what this is. So mhchallenge.com is the place to sign up everyone. And uh, uh, Matthew, I've got the final five for you. So yep. these have to be answered in one word or oh one God. sentence maximum. Okay. A sentence, I don't know what the official definition is, but I make it seven to 10 words. So one word and or one sentence. For one each word answer. or one sentence okay. for each of these. Okay, so... Matthew Hassi, these are your final five. The first question is, what is the worst relationship advice you've ever heard or received? Find someone who loves you more than you love them. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Good, good answer. All right, question number two. What's the best relationship advice you've ever heard, received, or given? Make a list of the things that are truly important. Mm for you to find in a partner and then be that list. Love that, great advice. All right, question number three. Uh, one word to one sentence again, define love for you. Generous interpretation of other people's behavior. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great definition. I was not expecting that. That's awesome. That is a great definition. All right, question number four. Uh, what is... How would you describe your current purpose in life? To make people feel less alone in their suffering. That's beautiful. I love that, man. That's, that's really special. All right. Question number five. If you could create one law in the world that everyone had to follow, what would it be? I don't think I can beat the golden rule. I, the, the Confucian, you know, uh, you know, do to other people or treat other people how you would want to be treated. I, I don't think I can be <laughs> can Confucius be on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Matthew, I'll see everyone. Please, please, please uh, go follow Matthew on all social media platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, go and check out the mhchallenge.com. Don't forget that you're getting uh, five challenges in confidence uh, with Matthew for that as well. So make sure you go and check out mhchallenge.com. And please tag me on me and Matthew on Instagram, on Twitter, on any platform that you use with your biggest takeaways from this episode. We want to see them. You know that I love sharing those insights and leave a review as well with your big takeaway from Matthew's episode. 
episode. Matthew, thank you so much for doing this. I hope Thanks, this yeah. is uh, the first of many that we get to do this for. I do too. And, and, uh, and can I say, it's been, yeah. it's been an unbelievable pleasure to do this. And you are you're incredible at what you do. And the, the way you bring yourself even to an interview like this is people don't realize the level of pro in the way you interview, the way you listen, the way you like, I sat here learning about listening from watching you listen. And that is exactly what we talked about in a relationship, right? You see something in somebody else that's, that they're doing really well and you go, wow, I want to, I want to be as good a listener as Jay is right now. Um, and, and to watch you, you know, we have mutual friends, but to watch what you have done over the last few years is a, is a truly extraordinary thing to, to behold. I know what kind of resourcefulness and initiative and proactiveness it must have taken for you to build this thing that you've built, which is just extraordinary. And, um, you know, I, I don't, I'm sure you hear it many, many times a day, but it is, you know, from one creator to another, I look at it and it is, it's something very special what you've done. So congratulations. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. It's very kind. I, uh, really, that means a lot to me and I felt how genuine that was. And, uh, well, I, the way, reason why I was listening so well is because you were speaking so well. So I was like, <laughs> this is easy to listen to. I was just sitting there going, this is great. Like, I'm like, this, people are going to love this. And this is going to make sense. And so it was easy to listen to Thanks, you. Uh, and, and I think that's part of a relationship. You want to, you want to sit down with someone that, that makes it easy. You to, enjoy the to, conversation. Yeah, you with. enjoy the conversation yeah. that you're with. So no, and, and the feelings mutual, man. Like I remember, you know, I've been watching you for years and years and years and to see what you've created and the evolution of your work and just also just what I, what I really appreciate is the dedication to what you do and who you help and how you help them. I think it's so, you know, I think we live in a world where it's so easy to like, you know, you got, now I'm a crypto influencer and now I'm a, you know, <laughs> NFT influencer, whatever it yeah. is. And it's like to dedicate your life to, to something that is big enough to be dedicated to, but to, to just be, see you so focused. And even in today's conversation, I can see that, you know, it's like, you can tell when someone's really well read in an area and has really thought about it from like pop culture to history to, you know, that, I, I love that. I love meeting someone who's immersed in their, in their space and you, you demonstrate that beautifully. So, thank you, man, I'll so remember thank that. Thank you for that, thank you. yeah. Thank you for dedicating your life to, and especially, you know, helping people suffer less in their relationships, which can be such a, great source of suffering so thank you man appreciate that did you hear the latest tea we spilled well actually i make the tea jay spills it i don't know how we allowed radio onto the podcast but <laughs> we did it because we're so excited to announce sama our new tea we created to help you soak up life's moments we wanted to create a tea that doesn't just taste good, but also makes you feel great and has functional benefits to keep you balanced, nourished, body, mind and soul too. We know that it's so hard to find time in the day to feel stillness and calm, but a cup of tea can make all the difference in giving you back those moments. And we knew that tea was the best way to do that. Now, Radhi, tell them the other big news. Well, guess what? We want you to be a part of this tea journey with us. So we've actually created a Sama Founders Club. 
As a founding member, you will get a limited edition sampler box and a year's worth of tea. Yeah, I said it, a year's worth of tea. They'll also receive exclusive merch, experiences and discounts. At Sama, we consider our founding members to be the heart of our community. You can sign up right now before this offer expires by going to samatee.com forward slash founders club. Again, that's samatee.com forward slash founders club. We cannot wait for you to be part of this journey with us and to join the Sama family. Let's all cuddle now.